Hello everyone, and welcome back to Into the Fray. As always, I'm Daniel Marable. I'm Eli Kleinman. Up first, we will look at players opting out of college basketball. Then we will take a look back at the 2012 mock or 2012 draft, where we will do a mock draft. Then the team we will explore tonight is Villanova and how their players have translated to the NBA. But first, Jalen Johnson opted out of Duke just a over a week ago. And since then, the Blue Devils have started playing better. But what we are looking at is more than just what it means for Duke. We're going to look at what it means for both Duke and Jalen Johnson and his NBA future. So I guess I'll start with that question. What does this mean for Jalen Johnson as well as what does it mean for Duke right now? Right. So so obviously this topic comes in response to Duke's freshman Jalen Johnson, who recently decided to forego the rest of Duke's season. And you know what? This has sparked a lot of controversy over the last few weeks about what's right and what's wrong in the world of college basketball, the prospects, the NBA. And so first off, like Duke and Johnson claim that he's cutting his season short because of his previous injury to be 100% healthy and prepared for the NBA draft. But here's some context, right? He injured his foot in mid-December. He missed a total of three, three games. He came back January 12th, and he had been back in the lineup for nine, yes, nine games. This was not about a foot injury. And, you know, I hate to draw any conclusions about a player's injury because it is a serious topic. It's their health, after all. But... To me, this is pretty clear. Duke was losing. Um, he wasn't starting. He was frustrated. And, and I don't care what anyone says, opting out like this is a bad look. It's a bad look. And if I'm an NBA GM, this is actually quite concerning. Because I, I think opting out midway through the season demonstrates, one, a lack of character, two, a lack of drive, and three, a lack of commitment. And, and what happens? What happens once you get to the NBA? and you're drafted probably to a bad team. Let's say you go on a 7, 8, 9, 10 game losing streak. You're traveling more often than you did in college. You can't just give up. It only gets more difficult from here. For sure. Let me start with this. I don't necessarily disagree with what you just said. I will get into that right after I start with this. But I think it's important to recognize this is, I believe in athlete empowerment. So this is Jalen Johnson's decision. It is up to him. Whether it'll hurt his draft stock or help his draft stock, hurt Duke or help Duke, it doesn't matter. This is his decision and he has the right to make it. And he did. And that's fine. Now, in terms of what I think of the decision, well, let's start with the fact that he's not opting out if he's having an amazing season and Duke is projected to be a one seed. Let's just start with that. He wouldn't have opted out in that situation. And well, injury is the reason we saw Zion Williamson, who was basically a lock for the number one pick coming, come back and finish the season with Duke. And I get it. That Duke team was a whole lot different. They were closer as a team. They didn't have to deal with the pandemic, don't get me wrong, this season has not been easy, but I don't think Jalen Johnson does it if Duke is in a great spot, and he is as well. Now, 
I understand where he's coming from though. I, I do. I, I, I don't necessarily think it makes it look good, but I don't necessarily think that staying at Duke would have helped him either. He wasn't playing well. Frankly, he was just hurting his draft stock at Duke. Now it doesn't help what he did. I don't think his draft stock improves by what he did either. I mean, you look at it, he played at, I believe three different high schools and then now is leaving Duke halfway, most of the way through the season. So it's a questionable decision and GMs are going to have a lot of questions to ask rightfully so, but he made the decision. I think we need to respect it because it's his future and he's looking out for it. And he has as much to gain or to lose as anyone else does in his future. So I guess that's, that's where I fall on it. It's his decision to make. I'm not sure it's the right one, but I also am not going to criticize it. No, I, and you know what? I agree with you. It, it is his decision. It's his future. But his future and his decision is and has had an impact on other people and other teams. It's going to affect a franchise. And like you said, if I'm a GM, like I want a player who wants to play, who, who wants to win no matter what the situation is. And I, I love how you bring up Zion. I also thought back to Zion, maybe it's Duke and the Duke connection, but do you remember when Zion got injured at Duke? The time that that's the time when his foot was so strong it tore through that Nike. Um, yes. And everyone was telling him, everyone was telling him to opt out of the season. And his response was, and I quote, "Thanks, but no thanks." He said he'd be letting his teammates down and his coaches down. And you know what? I feel like that's what Johnson essentially did. Basketball is first and foremost a team sport. And Zion has continuously demonstrated his love for basketball. And you see that night in and night out on the basketball court. So when a player doesn't show that, it worries me. Just how committed can they truly be? Here's, an, here's another example. Cole Anthony of last year got hurt on a very bad North Carolina team. A North Carolina team that was not going to make the tournament had it happened. And he came back and, and he played well. And honestly, that's probably why he got drafted where he did in the first round. Now, I'll say this. I'm not sure how much injury can be the reason he opted out because just because you're hurt doesn't mean you cannot be with your team, which that confuses me. More importantly, though, and I think this is actually the biggest takeaway in terms of Jalen Johnson's future. Duke is playing better without him. Now, Virginia did just lose to NC State yesterday, I believe, but... Duke picked up a win over a very good Virginia team. They also took down Syracuse quite easily. So Duke, and just when you watch Duke play, they're more cohesive. They are playing a better brand of basketball. And that might have to do with Jalen Johnson's play style as much as it does his attitude. But I think it's a, it should be a concern for him that Duke is playing better and probably now going to make the tournament without him than with him. Yeah, definitely. I agree. They look a lot more fluid with him, not there. Uh, he, he's like, he's almost like Ben Simmons where he's a liability in the half-court setting. He, he's great in transition. He's a great playmaker. He sees the court very well, but he, he's a liability. He, he's not a great um, floor spacer. He can't shoot the ball very well. And, and, you know, part of me wonders was, you know, there's something going on behind the scenes. Was it difficult? Did Coach K feel inclined because of how high a prospect and recruit he was and how heavily um, touted he is as an NBA prospect? Did he feel 
you know, obligated to try to fit him into a roster in which he didn't fit in. So that makes me wonder. Um, but do I think this will affect Johnson's draft stock, even though Duke is playing better now without him? No, I really don't. But but it probably should. It should at least be taken into account when considering drafting well, him. I, I think I think Jalen Johnson has flaws in his game that are noticed. I mean, I think he's a below-average shooter in a league where you need to be able to shoot. So I think that's a concern. I mean, I think I think there are several concerns with Jalen Johnson before this whole situation transpired. I don't think this helped him, but who knows? Maybe it will in the long run. I think we'll just have to wait and see. I think it was not going well at Duke. You know, frankly, it reminded me in a similar situation to now I'm blanking on his name. He went to North Carolina and was supposed to be a top prospect and just never turned out to be. I think he's on the Trailblazers right now. Oh, Nasir um, Little. Yeah, Nasir Little. Came into North Carolina as a top prospect, did not pan out, not close. Yeah. Didn't even he came off the bench by the end of the season, so I think that's actually a similar comparison uh, in in certain aspects of it. Obviously, North Carolina was a better team then, but I think they're actually similar players as well. I think they lack the ability to be knockdown shooters, and you know, frankly, that's a problem right now. So I think that honestly is as big of anything is is will hurt his draft. Style. Right. I, I don't think he's going to slip as far as Nasir did, as far as he fell in the draft. I, I still think Johnson is a top 10 prospect. Don't get me wrong. He'll, he'll be a top 10 pick. Um, but GMs, like you said, there are flaws in his game. But after this incident, NBA GMs are going to need to ask themselves, is this a player who will be committed to our team through the ups and the downs? And another thing, like I would hate to see this become a trend in college basketball. But honestly, I think it's too late. I'm afraid it's it's going to become one, or it already has. A majority I'm, of these, yeah, what a, are you going to say? A majority of these college, uh, college players have one goal in mind, right, and that's to play in the NBA, and you have to respect that. But skipping these fundamental steps to get there should be worrisome for NBA teams. Uh, who knows when the NBA draft is going to be this year? Uh, probably not June. So yeah, Johnson. Yeah. Johnson might not play an official five-on-five game for for possibly six to seven months. You're right. I think it may become a trend. I mean, you saw James Wiseman do it last year, although in a very different situation as he was getting handed NCAA violations. But I think that's just the result of athletes not getting compensation for playing sports. And I'm not going to get into that right now. I don't think it's worth the time, but I think it changes if they get maybe not paid per game, but if they get endorsement deals for playing the games, then they have to play the game to make the money. And they still may opt out and say, I'm going to get a whole lot more money later, but not someone like Jalen Johnson, because, you know, I think his draft stock some isn't somewhat in peril. It is is in fluctuation right now. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward. And the NCAA is also looking at those rules for player compensation. So I think that's going to be a big topic of discussion moving forward and will affect players opting out. Yeah, it it will. And, you know, we may disagree here, but at the end of the day, player empowerment is important. The players should have a say in their career. But at the end of the day on this topic, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan I'm of the firm mindset that you should go down with the ship 
don't be that guy. Don't be that guy who sneaks onto the lifeboat meant for the women and children. You know, you you made a commitment. You got to fulfill that commitment. That is a bold comparison. I would just say that. But I, I'm not. I I understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to criticize the move, nor will I praise it. I I guess I'm going to be indifferent on this one. I I believe he's allowed to make that choice, and not only sh- you know can he? I think he should if he thinks it's what's best for him. I just I'm not sure he's right, but then again. I'm not a college player trying to make the NBA. So. That's true. And only time will tell. We'll, we'll see yes. what happens. Still more stuff's to come. We'll see what happens with his draft stock. But moving on to our next topic of today, we will be redrafting the 2012 NBA draft. And you know what? At first, this class actually looked pretty bad. I would say it looked pretty bad. But, you know, over the course of the few years, these players have taken... Some of these players have taken enormous leaps, I'd say. And... It's shaped up to be a somewhat solid class. I feel like there's a clear top nine, nine, maybe ten players, so I'd expect us to have similar players. Well, you know, maybe except at number one, because at number one, Eli, I have the Pelicans, who are at the time the Hornets. I have them taking Damian Lillard, who went six overall, instead of Anthony Davis. And I don't care what you say, I'm taking Lillard just about any day over Davis. First, first, there's the loyalty aspect. Lillard has been completely committed to the Trailblazers. Anthony Davis, if you remember, wore a shirt that said, that's all folks, on his last day as a Pelican after essentially demanding a trade to the Lakers, which is utterly disrespectful. Second, there's the injury aspect. I can depend on Dame to be out, out there every night giving it his all. Davis has basically been made out of tissue paper over the course of his career, and he can never stay on the court for an extended period of time. And I also love the fit. After Chris Paul was traded, just just been traded to the L.A., uh, the Hornets needed their point guard of the future. And listen, it's a point guard league. Lillard's led his team to the Western Conference Finals, has brought the Portland Trailblazers to the playoffs seven times. Before joining the Lakers, Davis and the Pelicans had only been to the postseason twice and let's not forget let's not forget Lillard won rookie of the year over Anthony stop Davis it, stop it stop it stop it I'm done I'm done listening to this I'm just wow uh, you you said I expect us to agree on most of these picks however we don't on number one you know why we don't agree on number one because you're picking the wrong number one the right number one is Anthony Davis you mentioned how Damian Lillard is still in Portland don't blame that on Anthony Davis. What did the Pelicans put around Anthony Davis? Absolutely nothing. They had absolutely nothing around him. At least the Trailblazers put C.J. McCollum, who is an all-star, has been an all-star, not this season, but has been an all-star. So don't go saying that Damian Lillard would stay in New Orleans if he had what Anthony Davis had around him. Damian Lillard wouldn't have done anything more than Anthony Davis. You know what? He would have done less than what Anthony Davis did in New Orleans with what he had around him. Anthony Davis is by far the best player. Frankly, he's a game-changing player, a generational talent. So the fact that you're passing him up is really disrespectful. Anthony Davis is going to be the next face of the NBA. I mean, that's how good of a player he is. Sure, he's been hurt, but he's played in 
551 games since he's been drafted. That's actually a significant number. Damian Lillard's only played in 645, so maybe a season. But again, when Anthony Davis was in New Orleans, it didn't matter. Right now, we see him being a championship-level player, and I'll say this. If the last week has not showed you how important Anthony Davis is, then I don't know what will. The Lakers are awful without Anthony Davis. They were arguably the best team in the West with him. Not record-wise, maybe, but, I mean, it's hard to pick against them night in, night out with him on the floor. Without him, they're awful. Awful. Absolutely awful, and they have LeBron James. I mean, that tells you how valuable he is alone. But more importantly, he does it all. He scores, he rebounds, he can shoot, and frankly, he's actually a solid passer for a big man. So there's no question in my mind Anthony Davis is the number one pick. You know why? Number two. You know why the Lakers are significantly worse without Anthony Davis? Because they have possibly the most top-heavy roster in NBA history. So obviously, when one of the stars goes down, one of the like, MVP candidates, top five, top six players in the league goes down, You've got a bunch of scrubs on your point. team. The team's yeah. going to be awful. You're telling me Damian Lillard is a top five player in the NBA? He's, he's not. He's a top well, ten. But but he's not what you just called Anthony Davis, which is exactly why Anthony Davis goes number one. Let's move on to number two. Because- All right, perfect. Number two. All right, let's get to it. The Hornets. Well, not well, not the Hornets that were the pick above at the time. The, the real Hornets, who were the Bobcats. I've got them taking Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis. Instead of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, I think that's a good decision. And and you know what? Look, Anthony Davis is a great player. You're right. Everything you said is true. And now he's a champion. But that does not erase the previous seven seasons of his career where he accomplished largely, essentially, nothing. With nothing around him. No, well, no, 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 no. I hate that myth. I hate the myth that he had no help because for a number of, a number of seasons he had Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, who was in the prime of his career, back when he was a star, Tyreek Evans, who had some great years, and Ryan Anderson, who was a star back then. Tyreek Evans' best season was his rookie year in Sacramento where he won Rookie of the Year. From there, he declined. He was still a good player. He was a solid player. But he, we have not seen a team go to the NBA Finals with one All-Star. We haven't. Even the closest you could even get is Toronto, but Kyle Lowry has been an all-star. Damian Lillard had an all-star by his side. Frankly, another really good player by his side. Anthony Davis had nothing close to that in New Orleans. You can talk about what he had around him being nice role pieces. Those are nice role pieces if you have two star players, but the Pelicans had one, and that was Anthony Davis. Anyway, my number two pick, is Damian Lillard, frankly, I don't care who Charlotte has on their roster. Damian Lillard is by far the second best player in this draft class, which is why you have to go with him here. What all you said about Damian Lillard is true. He's just not better than Anthony Davis. He's a great player. He's just behind AD, who, like you said, is a top five player in the NBA. Damian Lillard's a top 10 player in the NBA. He's an all-star for a reason. Year in, year out. Yeah, no, I, look, I'm not saying Davis is a better uh, is not a better player. He is. 
but the other things that Lillard brings, like the loyalty and the consistency on the court. And this is not me hating on the Anthony Davis. I don't want to, you know, put that out. I, I, I'm not hating on Anthony Davis. I'm simply trying to rationalize why I would take Lillard over him. Davis is still a top, top six, I would say six, not five, player in the league. And the Hornets would absolutely love to have him here. Oh, Anthony Davis? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They would love to have either. I mean, anybody but Michael could go Gilchrist. Yep. Yeah. All right, moving on to number three. I'm assuming we have the same player here. I've got the Wizards taking Bradley Beal again. Beal is not going anywhere, just like in real life. Beal's an excellent player, and he's an all-star starter this year after not being an all-star last year. Uh, he's leading the league in scoring. And and you know what? What people forget is that just a few years ago, the Wizards were a perennial four or five seed in the playoffs, and since then, things have gone downhill. You can say that. But it's no fault of his own. The roster is absolutely horrible. But he's their guy. He's their guy, and he's expressed that he wants to stay in Washington. And I admire his loyalty. But but if the if the Wizards want to win with him, they, they have to do something now. They have to make a move. They have to do something now. And trading for Westbrook was not the option. It was not the right decision. That's fair. But... Bradley Beal is also my number three pick. He stays in Washington. It's the right place for him. He's been excellent. When I said there's a clear top two, I think there was a drop-off to Bradley Beal because I don't think he's in the same category as Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard. But I think there's a drop-off after Bradley Beal. Not maybe a huge drop-off, but a slight drop-off for sure. Because he's an elite scorer. He can get a bucket whenever he wants. And that's... hugely important skill in the NBA right now for his career he's averaging 21 and a half points a game four rebounds four assists that's excellent he's been a great player he stays in Washington like you said they were a playoff team no longer there's nothing around him right now it is just Damian Lillard in Washington and it's unfortunate because it would be fun to watch him in the playoffs yeah so I'll take start here number four and number four Either way, any way you look at this, you can put Kyrie on the Cavaliers. That's who have the pick. The Cleveland Cavaliers had the fourth pick in the draft. You could put Kyrie here. Or if we want to do our redraft, you put Kawhi Leonard and Klay Thompson. Either way, this is the right pick. They need a defender. They need a passer. They need a rebounder. That player is Draymond Green. He fits perfectly on this team. And frankly, he's the best player left in this class he is a jack of all trades maybe you could argue a master of none except for defense but he does almost everything well and frankly he's just a great fit on every team in the league so that's why he's the fourth pick in this draft and what's incredible is that Draymond Green somehow fell all the way into the second round which is a shame for everyone except for the Warriors because picking him at 35 has to be one of the biggest steals in the last decade. Well, I'm not sure Draymond Green is a perfect fit anywhere on any team. He seems almost like a product of the Warriors system, so I'd be hesitant to place him anywhere. He's a great player. He's I, I'd consider him a ceiling raiser, not a floor raiser, so that's why I don't have him in my top five. But number four... I would argue a better player, at least right now, in his current system. I've got the Cavs taking Chris Middleton, who is also 
criminally underrated, and he fell all the way to 39. I've got the Cavs taking him instead of Dion Waiters, which I'm sure they'd love to have that pick back. So, like you said, after drafting Kyrie, or you can even put Kawhi, but I'm not sure that would make much sense. I'm going on Kyrie here. Uh, the Cavs' next biggest need was wing depth. And that's exactly what Middleton gives you. He's an excellent shooter, and he's actually an above-average playmaker, which I think would have been perfect, assuming LeBron returns to Cleveland. Hold on. How can you talk about Draymond Green only being a product of the Warriors system and not discuss how Chris Middleton is a product of playing with one of the most dominant inside players in the NBA right now? You know what? I'll call him the most dominant player inside the paint right now. There is no one better than Giannis. And that completely changes how Chris Middleton is able to play because there is so much attention on Giannis. You forget about Chris Middleton. Yes, he is an underrated player. Yes, I have him right up at the top of this draft class. I have him in the top five. I have him at number five. But when you talk about system players, Chris Middleton completely benefits from the Buck system. But I think he's a really good player. I also think Draymond Green's a really good player. I think, frankly, he's an underrated player. He's won a defensive player of the year. He's also been an all-star. I think... People forget about that. There was a time when he's an all-star. And you know what? You talk about only being the Warriors system. Draymond Green's having a solid season right now. And the only player from the Warriors system that we all remember is Steph Curry. And, and so when I look at it, I think Draymond Green makes an impact every game he plays. It's just not always an impact that can be seen in statistics and sometimes it's not even an impact you can always see on the court if you're not paying attention yeah and i'm not i don't want to say draymond's not solely a product of the system i think he benefits from that system and you know what chris middleton does as well uh but think about it this way if you're the Cavs in 2012 and you know what they're going to turn out to be these two players are going to turn out to be you're telling me you'd rather draft draymond green than chris middleton Let's say to start your franchise, you'd rather have Draymond Green. Okay, if you're going to tell me I have Kyrie Irving and then I'm going to get LeBron James, then yeah, probably I would take Draymond Green. For sure. Yes. All right. Yes, I, I, I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah. So, who do you have at number five? All right. Number five, the Kings. They took Thomas Robinson. He hasn't been in the league for at least seven years. Like every Kings draft pick. Yep. So the Kings, number five. You know what? Forget what I said about this being a solid draft class. Forget, throw it out the window. Forget it. Scratch it out. Because, because we're at we're only at number five, and I'm already <laughs> grasping at straws here. Um, this is gonna this is gonna uh, come out of left field here. So so buckle up because uh, I've got I've got the Kings at number five picking Jay Crowder. Hear me out, Jay Crowder, hear me out. He's a winner. He's a winner. And, and what didn't the Kings have in 2012? Winners. How well, is Jay Crowder a winner? He's a win I mean, the Kings don't have any winners now either. But but what they needed, they what they needed at that time was a hard nosed, they still need it, hard nosed defender and a guy who would bring in that winning mindset. You how is Jay Crowder a winner? Let me enlighten you. He helped transform the Celtics back into contenders after that horrible 2012 to 2014 run they had. Um, so he transformed the Celtics back into contenders with Isaiah Thomas. He was a part of two of Utah's playoff runs. 
And we all saw what his addition to the Heat did last year in the bubble. They were subpar, to say the least, in the regular season. Smack, they add him to the bubble, and they're a championship team. And now we're seeing his impact on the Suns. Everywhere he goes, he turns a team into winners. Yes, I'll take him. I'll take Jay Crowder fifth. Do we need to call bias, or is it already obvious? Hey, no. Jay Crowder was was not happy when Boston traded him. You know what? As far as I'm concerned... And, and you weren't either. Hey, Jay Crowder, he was the one who was right there when Hayward got injured, okay? He was he was partly the reason. I don't want to blame it on him. But if I... If I no, whoa, I should be mad at Jay Crowder, if anything. But you're not mad because you like Jay Crowder. He's a winner. That, I, I, you you know, know what? I'll take him. Second, I'll take him above second. any of these Hold guys. On. Hold on. Jay Crowder, if he got picked by the Sacramento Kings, would be a loser. Mm. He would be a loser. Like every other player that's gone to Sacramento. You don't know that. There's no, there's no star player that could have left in that draft class who could have changed Sacramento around. But if you want to talk about hard-nosed defender, a player who wins, I have a better one for you. His name's Draymond Green. You keep passing on him. He is a better defender than Jay Crowder. In the prime of his career, he could hit threes, frankly, just as well as Jay Crowder. Not just as well. No, no, no. Jay Crowder's a much better scorer in pass. At some points, at some points in Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's not always been excellent from three. He's had his struggles from three-point range. However, Draymond Green is also a winner. If we're going to talk about winners, which I also think depends on where you are. I mean, Jay Crowder's been a role player in most of those places, not a star. Draymond Green's been a starter on a winning team. But look at the players around him. Jay Crowder's gone everywhere, and he's consistently demonstrated that he can turn a team. Not maybe, okay, he's not leading a team, but he's contributing to a team and helping them win. Draymond's been on one team his whole career, so calling him a winner, yeah, it's deserved, but we have no idea what he'd be like elsewhere. Hold on. You're not, you haven't let me talk. He got suspended for game six of the 2016-17 NBA Finals, right? Or 2016 NBA Finals. Had he been around in Game 6, the Warriors would have had a much better chance of winning. He comes back in Game 7. Can you tell me how many points he put up in Game 7? No. 32 points. Draymond Green put up 32 points in Game 7 against the Cavs. Yes, they lost. He was the only reason they were remotely competitive in that game. Curry and Klay Thompson... Didn't even put up 20 points. No one on the Warriors put up more than 20 points. And Draymond Green put up 32. His career high. That's a winner. That's a winner. Someone who has his best game in the biggest moment after he made a mistake that we've already seen what the NBA has said. That was a mistake to suspend him for game six. But he made a mistake by even getting close to getting a technical foul. He got suspended. He came back and he had the best game of his career. That's a winner. So if we're going to talk about winners and defenders, then Draymond Green is my pick above Jay Crowder in my sleep, and it should be everyone else's too. Well, if your fifth pick in the 2012 NBA draft his his career high is 32, I'd be I'd be concerned. Wait, wait, what what are you what is your point about that? He put up 32 points in Game Seven. I mean, that is one heck of a performance. Draymond Green is not a scorer. No, he's but not. Really, but nor is Jay Crowder. Well, he can be. I mean, he can be, but not to the point where you would want him to be. Not to the point where he's that big of a difference maker. He's a role player. I mean, at his best, he's a role player. So, 
you know, when I, when I, when I look at it, Draymond Green's just as much of a winner as Jay Crowder. I, I don't, I don't understand that pick. And when I look at Draymond Green in that game, not only did Draymond Green put up 32 points, he had 15 rebounds and nine assists. He almost put up a 30 point triple double in game seven of the NBA finals. Jay Crowder's not putting up a 30-point triple-double in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Not ever. So, this is ridiculous. Well, if you sub Draymond, or Jay Crowder for Draymond, I think the Warriors are right where they have been. I, oh, I you, you call bias on me, I call bias on you. Right back oh, at you. Uno oh, reverse okay. card. Fine. There is an argument to be made that Chris Middle, I, I understand the argument that Chris Middleton can get picked above Draymond Green. I understand it. I may disagree with it. Picking Jay Crowder above, above Draymond Green makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Jay Crowder is not the defender Draymond Green is. He's just not. He's a solid defender, but he's not what Draymond Green is. Jay Crowder can't play center and also guard a point guard. He just not, he's not that. He's not capable of that. That's not the player. Draymond Green can do all that. So let's move on because... Uh, this argument's futile, and obviously I'm correct. So let's move on to your six, and if Draymond Green doesn't get picked here. Well, you're in luck because I have the Trailblazers picking Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green, instead of, well, Damian Lillard's off the board. So he went 35th, should have gone higher. That's why I have him six. I have him six. Okay, that's pretty high. So I, I did, I went back and forth on this pick. I can't justify, I cannot, I cannot justify him going any higher than this. Like we've discussed, he's been a winner. He, he, he's been a winner. But we've also seen just how disappointing he, he can be without Clay and Curry. Last year, an extremely disappointing season for the Warriors and him. He was out there. And, and there's no question, he's a ceiling raiser and not a floor raiser. I think we can agree on that. But is that a guy you want to take in the top five of, of a draft? If you've got a top five pick, that's a guy you want to take? My point uh, sure the answer may be no you don't want to pick him in the top five of an nba draft but you don't also want to pick jay crowder in the top five of an nba draft all right you got me there that, that's a good point um but i'm not i'm not i'm not saying draymond green deserves to be a top five pick i'm just saying that he does he's a better player than jay crowder that, that's all i'm arguing okay sure sure and, and the trailblazers here they they needed a point guard that's why i went back and forth but there, there truly was no point guard in this draft after Lillard worth taking. Um, and, and I wonder, I was thinking to myself, Draymond is one of the most confusing players in the league. He, he's very strange, his skill set. Right now he's averaging more assists than points. And, and so I'm wondering, if he were coming into the NBA right now as a 19-year-old, yeah, I wonder if he'd be playing more point guard. So I think that'd be an interesting dynamic, having him play point guard for the Trailblazers back in... 2012 and you know I Lillard's been advocating for green to the Blazers for the last few seasons so that could be interesting and I did want him to I did want him to fall to the next pick actually because that is the Warriors and I I just can't imagine him anywhere else but it, it just couldn't work I couldn't have anyone above him after this but I could have Jay Crowder above him disrespectful don't need to say it twice maybe I'll say it three times fast with my sixth pick, I am passing on Jay Crowder because I think there's a better option. And the pick I have is Andre Drummond. Look, Andre Drummond 
is a very good NBA center. And a very good NBA center is better than Jay Crowder as a role player wing. So that's why Andre Drummond goes above him. Yeah, I have Jay Crowder right right behind him. But Andre Drummond is a two-time All-Star. Has Jay Crowder ever made the All-Star game? No. No, he's not. So what that shows me is Andre Drummond's a good player. He's been a good player. And while he has not succeeded in Cleveland, and nor did his teams in Detroit ever do very much, although they did make the playoffs. Andre Drummond is a good player, and I think there needs to be one point made about Andre Drummond is you can't expect a center to win being the best player on his team. That's not possible. Not in the NBA as it's currently constructed. But if Andre Drummond had a star around him, that's a team that could win. At least Andre Drummond in his prime. So Andre Drummond is a very good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. And that's why he goes number six. Right. You know what? Exactly. Everything you just said is true and accurate, and that is why Jay Crowder should be picked above him. Jay Crowder is not an all-star. He never has been, and he never will be. And his stats are not better than Andre Drummond's, but he impacts the game ten times more than Drummond That's ever has. That's not true. You're missing my point again. If Jake, if Andre Drummond had the teams that Jay Crowder played on, Andre Drummond's teams would have done better than Jay, with the than with Jay Crowder. No, that, I that absolutely. Drummond if, made the All Star games based purely on stats. He's a stats guy. He's like he's like Whiteside. He he's he impacts the game. Oh, don't compare him to Hassan Whiteside. That is disrespectful. He's just like he's, he's just like better. Hassan Whiteside. He's so much better. He's a good. He pl- so much. He's better. a good player. You're right. He's a good player, but he does not impact the game at all. Literally at all. I just I think that's a crazy argument because really Andre Drummond has made a big impact on the game and unfortunately he's being the only player on the court I'm not saying Andre Drummond would put up the stats that he's put up if he had another star on his team but I'm telling you if you put him in Boston that team is better if you trade him for Jay Crowder that team's better if you had told those Celtics that you could make a trade with Detroit for Andre Drummond they would have said yes immediately let's do it absolutely you may not like that because that's what you're arguing against right now but that's the truth no, and you know what? As a as a diehard Celtics fan right now, I would give I would want one Jay Crowder over ten Drummonds. Because right now with oh, the Celtics on. what the Celtics oh. need right now is a wing defender with Not a winning mindset. Right Drummond is basically Tristan Thompson and Tice rolled into one with a bigger ego and who hogs He's the better. ball. He's- First of all, he is much better than those players. You are really discrediting Andre Drummond. But more importantly, I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about when Jay Crowder was actually on the Celtics. Sure. The Celtics would have taken Andre Drummond had they offered. They probably would have, and they probably would have regretted it in two years. No, they would have been right to do it. All right. To each their own. We We will agree to disagree on... How bad of a player Andre Drummond is in the grand scheme of How things. How overrated Jay Crowder is. Well, anyway. o- only by me. Yes, only by you. All okay, right, on to number, number seven. Se- seven for me. Seven, I've got the Warriors taking. You're not going to like this pick. I've got them taking Will Barton, who went 40th, uh, instead of Harrison Barnes. And this pick, 
is really just to fill the absence of Draymond Green. And I see Barton as a Draymond light. You'll probably hate that. But he fits a very similar role. He's a scrappy guy who does a little bit of everything. Barton's actually a bit better of a shooter and a scorer, which might help Steph and Clay a bit more. Yeah. No, I agree. At number seven, I actually have Jay Crowder because I think if he was here, he would be the right fit for the Warriors in terms of Draymond Green's already been picked. I, I like a lot of the things you say about Jay Crowder. I just think you overrate Jay Crowder. I think what you say about him is correct. It just is inflated too much. So I have Crowder at number seven. At eight, I have Harrison Barnes. He's been a solid player. Somehow he keeps getting paid. It doesn't really make sense to me how he keeps getting big contracts, but he does. And frankly, it's easy to take advantage of Sacramento being the franchise that they are. But he got a big contract from the Mavericks, probably too big. Then he got a big contract from the Kings. He's been a solid player, but nothing special. Right. Eight, I've got the Raptors taking. I hated it on him a little bit, but I've got them taking Drummond. He is a good player, and I'm going to have them taking Drummond here. And listen, Drummond is not an all-star. I know you said he's an all-star. He's not an all-star caliber player, although he was an all-star once, which is crazy to think. He's just like Whiteside. I said that, but he puts up the stats, but has little to no impact on the game. You can't deny his talent. The talent's there, but he's one of the best rebounders in the league, and that's just about all he's good at. But the Raptors' center spot is not very good right now. Hasn't been very good over the last few years. They could use a guy like him right now. Sure. And that will bring us to number nine. I have Evan Fournier. He's been a solid wing player on the Magic. He's a solid scorer. Overall, just a nice role player. This is where you start to lose even solid players in the draft. So that's why I have Evan Fournier going nine. Yep. Uh, your eight is nine, is my nine. I got the Pistons taking Harrison Barnes. Barnes is the best player left on the board. Like you said, it's as simple as that. Pistons have been short on talent for what seems like forever. Barnes may not be a star. He's a consistent player you can depend on to give you 16 to 18 points a night. Number 10, I've got the Pelicans taking your number nine, Evan Fournier who went 20th instead of Austin Rivers. I'm sure they'd like that pick back. But Fournier, you know, he's like Harrison Barnes. He's been one of the most consistent players in the NBA over the past couple of years. He's put up 15 points in uh, or more over the last five seasons and 17 in four of those seasons. So Pelicans would love a guy like that, just high-volume scorer. Yeah, absolutely. And at number 10, I have Jeremy Lamb. I just a solid shooter. He's been a nice role player on some teams. Not much special about him, but the best available, which is why he gets picked at number 10. Right, and we saw the talent kind of fall off at that draft. Overall, solid, nothing really special outside of the top two. But with that said, let's move on to Under the Spotlight, and today we will be looking at Villanova, who currently has eight players in the league, and I've actually been looking forward to covering Villanova on Under the Spotlight, mostly because of how highly respected and praised the program is uh, and its players and how they've uh, been praised throughout the year, uh, or throughout the league the last couple of years. And Villanova, as a program itself, has experienced tremendous success over the last couple of seasons, winning the national championship in 2016 and 2018. And a majority of Villanova's players in the NBA right now we're on at least one of those championship teams. Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, Ryan Archie Diacono, Mikhail Bridges, Dante DiVincenzo, Eric Pascal. And, and the thing is, none of these guys are stars. 
they all fill a specific role for a team that's not easily replicated. Also, these guys all are hard workers. And obviously, you have to be a hard worker to make it to the NBA. Everyone knows that. But but these Villanova guys specifically, you can just tell. They always give 100% on the court. There's a reason they call Kyle Lowry a pit bull. He just doesn't back down. And that's what winning players do. Villanova guys. Absolutely. I agree with that. Everything you just said, what stands out to me most, besides the points you just made, is the amount of guard play they have. Only one point guard in here is Kyle Lowry. But you can make an argument that Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, although Jalen Brunson is also a point guard, Mikhail Bridges, Ryan Archie Diacono, Dante DiVincenzo, they're all that shooting guard, small forward, kind of can play either type role. And I think that's who they produce. Villanova produces a lot of wings, and that's what has led them to success. And I think the other interesting thing to note is Villanova has been an excellent team over the past decade, for the most of the past decade. But only Kyle Lowry was picked before 2016 when Ryan Archie Diacono entered the league. And then from there, it was 2017 was just Josh Hart. Since then, you've had three players in 2018, one in 2019 and one in 2020. So it's all recently that Villanova has really had players find playing time in the NBA and become solidified players in the NBA. I think that's interesting because they've been a good team in the past just without stars. And I think they were starting to recruit better talent players. And so what that means is these players are finally transitioning to the NBA. But I think it also goes to show that Villanova deserves a lot of credit for developing guys that may not have been as high recruits. Definitely, they do. I'd also like to focus on the draft here. I think it's interesting to note that a lot of these players weren't drafted very high, yet they've carved out a role for themselves in the NBA. Like you said, Lowry was drafted 24th, DiVincenzo 17th, Bridges the highest at 10, Hart 30th, Brunson 33rd, Pascal 41st, and then uh, Sadiq Bey this past draft, who's drafted 19th, who we're now seeing probably should have been drafted way higher. I think he's exactly what the Celtics thought they were getting with Aaron Neesmith at 14. And at this point, I think it's safe to say that if you draft a player from Villanova, you're practically guaranteed to get someone who is going to contribute to your team in a positive way. What many of these players do doesn't show up in the box score. They possess the intangibles that you're looking for when you're constructing a winning team. They're all either excellent defenders or give you significant effort on defense, which is hard to find at this point in the NBA. And another thing, I look at a lot of these guys and see a prototypical 3 and D player. You got Bay, Bridges, DiVincenzo, Hart. I've also got my eye on Villanova's star player right now, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He fits right into that 3 and D mold of former Villanova players. He's a sophomore currently, averaging 16 points and 7 rebounds. And looking at players that have come out of the program... I wouldn't pass on him in the mid to late first round of the draft this year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all, all of what you said. I think Villanova is a program that just develops players that are ready to play in the NBA as of late. And I think it's certainly an encouraging sign. So from here, we will head to our final segment, Where'd He Go?, where we will list three players in the NBA and the other person will have to guess where they went to college. We are still tied in the record. So let's see who can take the lead this week. I'll go first. He is on the Mavericks. He's a big man, a forward, 
Where did Dwight Powell go to college? Ooh, Dwight Powell. Yes. Dwight Powell. And I know this one. I think. I know. I, mm, hopefully I don't embarrass myself. He went to my sister's current school. And that's why I know this. He went to Stanford, I believe. That is correct. I think you're going to have a pretty easy time this round. All but right. yes, that is one for one. All right, perfect. I I don't know if mine. I don't know if you'll get mine. Okay, my first one. I feel like you could get this one. Bobby Portis. He's bounced around the league. He's found a home in Milwaukee. Maybe where did he go? I I I know this one, and yet I don't. I want to say, yeah, I know this one. It's SEC. It's Arkansas. That that was my first guess, but I'm gonna stick with it because that's right. I do remember him in Arkansas. Correct. You are correct. Okay, on to number two. I will give you Alec Burks. He's had a, having a big night on the Knicks tonight. Solid player, guard, bounced around the league for a while. Where is he? Where did he go to college? Alec Burks. He's having a good season. Uh, another player having a good season. I another Pac-12 guy, I believe. I I'm pretty sure he went to Colorado. That is correct. Wow, this is going to be Pac-12 a bias. I see it. Are, He's going three for three. That's unfortunate. But yes, you are two for two for right now, and I think three for three is in your future. All right. My next guy, I don't think he's currently – he is one of the most interesting players right now regarding his contract. Andre Robertson, or Roberson. They, the Nets just signed him, then they just waived him, then they said they're going to bring him back on a 10-day contract. So he's technically not in the league right now. Not sure if that's fair, but where did Andre Roberson go? Where did – wait a second – we went to the same school, same well. He went to Colorado. He did. Yep. I remember him in the Pac-12. He wasn't very special in the Pac. I mean, he's not a flashy player that really stands out, but you know, he's played in the NBA for a while now, so it's certainly impressive from him. And I will head to my third player and final player. Where did Chemezi Metu go to college? Oh, I have to know this one, don't I? I hope as you a, do. As a current USC student, I, I believe that he is a former USC player, I would hope. Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, I have to know that. Three for three. I wanted to try to stump you with the USC player. Next time I should go that with Jordan McLaughlin. That would be embarrassing. That would, that would not have been a good look for if me. If I had gone with Jordan McLaughlin, would you have known it? Yes, I would have. Okay. Yes. Good to know. All right. So, my... three for three. I said it was in your future. Now it is reality. Is that my first time going three for three? Possibly. Yes. All I gotta right. finish strong. My last one, a player you would think that most people would know, right? Paul Millsap. Where did Paul Millsap go? Oh goodness gracious, I have no idea. I'll go Marquette. That's a good guess. I could see that he went to Louisiana Tech. Oh, I feel I no one no knows idea. that, and he's no a good idea. player. He was a good player. Yeah, certainly. So you're three for three. You take the lead. I Whoa. went two for three. Actually, a solid round. First time in a next while. Time. Get them next time. But that's it for today. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. We will be back with an ep another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening and so long.